Hello, Rachel. Hi, Ryan. How are you going? Okay. Oh, I don't think you're doing okay. Long silence and then a brief little, okay. Are you sure? Do you need me to put the password in your brain? I've got secrets. You've got secrets? So big that it could change everything, huh? Well, I've got a password here. Hey, what do you think the word was? We never found it. What is it? Yum yum? Do you think the password was yum yum? You think Lita's just saying yum yum in people's brains? She's squinting real hard. She's like squinting and she's getting tired from yum yumming whole sections of the staff of B5. You think that's it? Uh, I think we've answered the question of who, who would have said yum yum in this episode, by the way. Not, not out loud, of course. But telepathically, leaders yum yumming all over the shop. Zach got yummed right in his brain and he didn't even know it. But he did feel hungry for a pizza after walking in there. Although he didn't know the word yum yum entered his brain, the sensation of it entered his brain. Mm, yum yum. What's yum yum? A pizza. I can afford it because I get extra credits for being a Nazi. I'm just Zach Allen. Innocent old Zach. Oh boy, here we go again. Every time I walk into Captain Sheridan's office, I always feel hungry after going in there. He either asks me in there just to look at me or just to tell me about these big honking trees back home that he misses so much that has fruit, mainly oranges, on him. Hydroponics don't grow him that big for Sheridan's liking. Sheridan, like, Sheridan likes his trees nice and big. And old. Honking. That's how big. Yep. Not thick. Honking. Hey, do you think they'll ever surpass thick as the sexy term? Like, she's honking. Do you think? No. Honkers is a sexual term. Yeah. She's got some honkers. Not as good as milkers, honestly, but pretty decent. Because both of them are... What the fuck are you on about now? Well, milkers are tits as well. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but, but milk- why the fuck are you just... What the... Turned into right. Yeah, a Babylon Five rewatch podcast where we talk about milkers and honkers and oranges and yum yum. It's a complex web. Dare I say, a spider is in that web. Uh, we are actually, uh, as I stated, a Babylon Five podcast, a a rewatch podcast. So that does mean spoilers are abound for the series as a whole, and that will matter very much to this particular episode of B Five. We'll be getting into Yum Yum is the title of the show because we are vindictive and uh, we will never let the line Yum Yum from Star Trek Discovery go. We can't let it go. We refuse. There are some people out there that say, guys, please, please just get past it. Sorry. We can't. Just. We just can't get past it. It's where we're stuck. This is our purgatory, is yum yum. Instead of, like, this white void with unbaptized babies or whatever, it is just that scene on repeat over and over and over again. And no matter how many times we see it, 
It still doesn't make any sense, but in a way, it kind of does, subconsciously, because it's being shot into our brain like a password. Uh, but we are here to talk about an episode of B5. You're in your from... own plane of existence it's called, right now. It's called the Yum Yum Plane, uh, <laughs> where, where there's, you know, mm. certain atmospheres, no. and then I get in the Yum Yum layer. Uh. Of it all. Can uh, I get on money plane instead? Ooh, you want to get on the money plane? You can bet on anything on the money plane. Some of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet are on that plane, all craving action. Whatever you want to wager on, the money plane has you covered. You want to bet on a dude fucking an alligator. Money plane. So what episode of Babylon 5 are we talking about this time, Rachel? Episode 19 of season 2. Divided loyalties. Ooh. So you have the description here from the uh, DVD brochure to read to us. I'm, I'm very keen. I do. I'm very keen to hear this one again. Lita Alexander. <gasps> Lita? Patricia Tolman returns to Babylon 5. Convinced there is a traitor on board, Avonava makes a startling revelation. I mean, it connects to the... The first one, her revelation, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll get there. So uh, there's a lot to dive into. Rachel, tell us about Divided Loyalties. What's this episode been like for you over the years? On the first watch through, I was like, well, that came out of fucking nowhere. On the second rewatch, I'm like, that came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> and I, it still comes out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> It feels like this was not planned and they rejigged some things to work in its favour. Mm. And it, it's just like, well, we never got enough of Talia to really understand her and to care. Uh, yeah. And... After the first watch through, you explained to me like the background and what happened. why the actress decided to leave. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Doesn't help the show any. Obviously, no. it's a it's a bomb in the show, but uh, yeah. And uh, I think I can't remember if it was after you explained it the the first time or a, a later date that. The concept of JMS having trapdoors for characters mm -hmm. was explained to me. And I was like, that is exactly what this feels like. It feels like you're going along fine, you're going along fine, and then something went wrong. Talia just gets dropped through a trapdoor and out of the show. And then Lita comes back. Yeah, I watched this episode not knowing anything. And. I was surprised on multiple fronts. I remember what really made me know that this was something was wrong in the episode was Lita and uh, not Lita, sorry, uh, Talia and Ivanova are the bestest of pals. Like they've had this series long arc together, which we've never seen, which we've never seen. Mm -hmm. They've had moments, but 
for a fact, they have not shared a plot it line together. Forward. They have not shared a plot line together since Legacies in season one, and that was the only real plot line they've had together. You had the first episode plot line in which Talia is trying to get her attention, and then Ivanova snubs her. Legacies, and then this. In the interim, they've minorly been in scenes together. So that really threw me off. I went, something is amiss here. Something isn't adding up. And then obviously all the twists and turns that take place and how it ends, but also the 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 building here of their relationship was very disingenuous. And I thought, there's something that went, something's going to happen. And then by the end of the episode... The things happened, and I and I realized before even having to look it up. Oh, this is her leaving the show. She ain't coming back. It's Baba Talia. And I've seen this in TV many a times, where an actor or actress has it to happens. leave, and the show rushes towards giving them a conclusion. And obviously, JMS is trying to have his cake and eat it too here, in which he wants to have the twisty, turny. Uh, secret personality thing there, but also the strong relationship between Avonova and Talia, because that is a part of both of their arcs, obviously, is uh, them accepting one another and being on equal footing and uh, seeing eye to eye, as well as a potential romantic relationship that was hopefully going to be built up, built up on, if at all possible. Uh, I didn't know that necessarily, but I did sense that as well. Yeah, you get the the, you, the vibe. The gaydar goes off, and uh, <laughs> and yeah. So I watched this, and I was just a bit beside myself because you're 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 on the money. It just feels out of nowhere, uh, and there's all these questions that you're lingering with, like. What about this thing with Talia? What about this thing with Ivanova? What's going to happen now? And then upon rewatches, the questions go away from that and more, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Even with the knowledge of the actress leaving, why did they do these decisions? And we've talked about that many a times over this over this podcast when we've had Talia stories like, why did they never focus on her telekinesis? Why did they never really have uh, plot lines with her and Ivanova together more she than they actually did? Teeks, teeks, and numerous things like that come flowing to the brain, uh, almost in a way. And I'm curious to get your take on this. To talk about this episode, and we will delve into the Talia thing. We have Talia time in the notes, but to even discuss or think about divided loyalties. The episode that's actually in the 45 minutes almost doesn't exist. All you have in your at the front of your brain and the thing that you want to talk about that everybody wants to talk about is what happened, which is the actress left and it opens up this floodgate of all of this potential that could have happened instead of the actual episode. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. It's a huge what if. Huge. Yeah, to the point in which 
even after all these years, I don't think of divided loyalties. When we say, what's our history with it? I don't really think of the actual meat of the episode of the conspiracy and leader being back and all the cute little scenes between Delenn and Sheridan. It's any of completely that. overshadowed. It's, it's, your thoughts are, is this queer subtext? Is this actually there? Uh, what was going to be the plan here? How are they going to rejigger it? How did they rejigger it? Why did the actress leave? All these things come bubbling to your brain instead of what's actually here. So it makes it hard to even want to talk about what's actually here because all of that is but the, the real. But Sheridan, I want to talk about that because it's cute. Okay, well let's uh let's uh dig into that. Let's uh get our newspapers and uh, meet at the receptacle in which we recycle them and get our personalized hang papers. out in the garden. Oh, they hang out there too. Yeah, have yeah. a nice moment of holding hands. Ooh. Oh, yes, yes, a quiet, <gasps> they're holding hands, touch, ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you see. What? Something has gone your way today. Mm. It's the way the universe works. Wait just a little while, and the wheel turns. I was invested by this point, and I was begging you to tell me what happened with them, because they were going, they were building this up so fucking slowly. <laughs> It's like, only been a season. It's only been a season. At this point, they 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 first uh, they have to get to know each other, and then they can start building up the romance. It's like they call each other by first name. Well, a plague did happen. Yes. So now they can do that. Personal relationships, and in this one, they kind of a whole a whole. She reaches out and touches his hand. They don't even like. Hold hands. No, no, they don't even hold hands. They just kind of touch together. Yeah. They're just cuties. But I'm also like, I want to see them bang. You want to you see them bang, not even kiss. You do get some banging and Lania gets to listen. Yes. <laughs> he gets to listen real good. Yeah. So we get the... Uh, first scene in the, with them where they are recycling their newspapers and getting new ones and oh isn't it funny that this show from the 90s thought that newspapers would still be a thing in the future ha 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 yes it's very amusing it is very oh you didn't predict that one uh, but I did like the notion that they recycle the paper and it print like it gives them a new updated version of it I think that's yeah, a like neat they concept can, like recycling it gives them a rebate sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, it encourages recycling. Uh, See? See? Earth is green. And you can personalize your interests in your paper, which Mm -hmm. obviously we understand in the internet nowadays you can kind of do that and you can tab the ones that you like uh, that lean your way. But the idea of having a physical paper that you can type in things and then it will print it out for you, I think is actually... Kind of cool, but it is kind of like if people printed off Reddit, yeah, to me, like (laughs) in a weird way, yeah. Ion Minbari, yeah, on Reddit. Where's that Reddit group, guys? Come on, get to it already, Jesus or Valen. Sorry, 
yeah, I like the opening scene with them in which it's this nice little exchange of exposition about where they're at. Delenn is learning a lesson from the ISN episode in which she got hounded by the press, so now she's uh, training herself and engaging with the press more and actually reading it and getting to understand how they operate. We get knowledge of how the Minbari journalist side of things work, which is basically we they accept don't exist. We, we accept what we're told, which, oh, that's great, Len. Yeah, you're always so good and not at all weird either. And... You get the nice, cute back and forth between them. The two actors have uh, uh, amazing chemistry here. and Nice ease very between the two of them. Big flirts. Yes. Like, they're just magnetized for each other. Mira Falan's really great at playing uh, flustered, but then maintaining composure. That is obviously at its peak in the scene in which it's revealed that she's actually, you know, not telling the full truth about her interests in, uh, you know, cultures and how she kind of uh, makes uh, judgments upon Earth and Sheridan and so on for being so invested in the priorities of others and how others think of them. And then, of course, she is doing that herself by wanting their preferences on Ion Minbari and everything like that, which I, I thought was a, a great little comedic zing there. You know what I think is extra, extra cute? What? Watching this for, like, you know, the fifth time or whatever mm-hmm. numbered rewatch this is for me. He takes that opportunity... To save face for her. Yeah, yeah. Which is a very Minbari thing to do. Oh, well, well, he does take his little dig there where he, he goes, I on Minbari. <laughs> yeah, but like he doesn't push it further. Mm. He's just He's like, not a dick. No, I, I'll, I, I will let her explain. Save, it. save face and, oh, like, you know, just, just let it go. What I think was a brilliant move in the script's part is to implement Delenn into the scene here early because obviously you're going to have the scene later in the garden in which Sheridan and Delenn are talking. It's Sheridan is hitting a low point in the story, so he needs someone to bounce off of who's not involved in the conspiracy. Yeah. But to implement but, her was really well done because... Because he keeps on going back to her for help. Oh, an yeah. assistant. As he does throughout the last several episodes. But I wanted to point out, Lita later in the episode has to run off somewhere and it has to be with a character who isn't a part of the command staff. And in the pilot, she didn't know too many other characters. So realistically, who does she run to? We have to implement somebody in the story earlier so that it makes sense in the singular narrative of who she would go to. So yep. having Delenn there to help Sheridan along his journey in this episode 
is is marvelous on that end, but also involving her in that way allows you to have Lita go to Delenn because in the episode itself, we buy that because Delenn has existed in this 45 minutes. If she just randomly went to Kosh or randomly went to Londo or Jakar, any of those, and they weren't introduced already in the episode, we wouldn't have that satisfaction there. And going to Delenn makes sense because Delenn is a very <laughs> generous, kind person she doesn't have an ulterior motive in this no. in this situation and here poorer and... shows would not bother with that yeah a hundred percent because it's just like well you know this character you know this character uh then you have the garden scene which i i you love the adorableness the 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 tender looks no the, the hand no, touching no. i love that but I fucking love the humor. The humor of that scene. The dorky humor, yes. Lands perfectly for me. Especially when she, like, I read it as she kind of realizes that it, it, it's funny to him for whatever reason. She mm-hmm. just starts going, like, I butt you butt. But, <laughs> but, 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 but. As somebody who has. You sound like a motor butt. Motor butt. I don't like the sound of that, no. It's just a tender moment here and allows Mir Falan to play up a bubbly, more comedic side of Delenn, which is good because last one or two times we've seen her, she's been a little bit sad. And as we know, she studied humour. She studied humour, but not butts. No. No, no, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. I but, you but, he or she but. No, no, it's... Uh, uh, but, it's, but, but, but. You sound like a motorboat. Motorboat? I do not think I like the sound of that. Well, I don't blame you. I'm against the whole idea. Then we are in agreement. Absolutely. I was really bowled over in re-watching Divided Loyalties, looking at it not in terms of plot machinations and narratives and foreshadowings and payoffs and all the meta stuff about the behind the scenes production but i was really drawn into the thematic richness that is here there's multiple things going on that all keep tying back to overarching metaphors and themes that are at play here yeah like it's not just a big episode because of its plot and a twist and all of that it's big in those ways of course as well especially when you're a first time viewer you're not thinking about themes as much you're thinking about like what's in front of you like oh my god there's a manchurian candidate in this episode who could it be and you're in the mystery you're trying to figure it out and then the twists and turns obviously and those things are good, but as we all know, they only can satisfy you so much. There has to be more underneath all of that flash. You need substance of character development, moments, themes, ideas that are bigger than that, but they don't appear it. This episode really is is tackling and wrestling with themes of secrecy, identity, repression, uh, conspiracies, all of that kind of stuff. All these hidden... The nature of identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all these hidden things underneath. It's 
blatant in ways with some and not so much with others. So obviously the big thing is you open up uh, with uh, Sheridan and Garibaldi talking in the bathroom in their code, waiting for people to leave, and then they make sure it's not bugged, and then they get into the conspiracy, the open conspiracy that we know in which they are forming this little group to take... Yeah, their their cell to take down Earth. And Mm -hmm. the question is now, do we bring Talia into it? That is an obvious one, as well as the main drive of the story, which is the evil psychor experiment and conspiracy with a sleeper agent, of course. And who is the sleeper agent? agent And how do we find this out? That is obvious as well. Those two things are are very clear. But then you delve into the character work that comes through these things as well. You have, uh, uh, you obviously have Ivanova, in which on a subtextual level, there is the closeted gay thing that you can look at in terms of coming to terms with their sexuality in any way shape or form if you want to have that read of it Uh, because you have to say want to have that read because this is a show in which they couldn't openly have that as much but then you have the more blatant one which is the revelation of her having been a telepath this entire time what was your reaction to that? I remember being like, well, yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't that be true? And then I was just like, oh, well, they didn't they didn't say it. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, well, I thought I always assumed, like when we were watching it the first time, that she had some mm. tele- telepathic abilities because of the way that she described being touched by her mum's mind. Yeah. I was just like, well, yeah, it's a two way street. That's interesting. I never really considered it. I just bought her reasoning for being guarded about telepaths because it was such a justifiable reason. And what's great is it's still true and still yeah. all justifiable when you rewatch the show. It isn't you mm-hmm. just rewatch the show and go, oh, she's like this because she's actually secretly a telepathic yeah. herself. That is not the reason only. No. All those previous justifications are still the justifications as well as this. It is not a substi- this is not a substitution for those. No. Those don't just evaporate on a rewatch. And one thing that I always like to remember when we get to this point is how she reacts mm. to the story of the guy in eyes of how he was training, and then they discovered. Yes, with uh, Jeffrey Combs, our good friend Combs. But yeah, that revelation took me by surprise when I first watched it, but it all added up. It was one of those Mm -hmm. 
kinks in the story that I didn't expect and didn't even contemplate, but then once it was presented to me, I slapped myself on the forehead going, oh, of course, you idiot. That makes complete sense. Why didn't I see it? Why wasn't I thinking about that? And it's because the character work with the Vonnevert is so strong that you aren't trying to figure out little mysteries about them necessarily. I didn't stop to think about it. It was when it was revealed that Mm. I was just like, Oh, oh, yeah. 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 It wasn't like a, well, I knew it all along kind of mm-hmm. thing. It was like the, uh, I was enjoying the revelation mm. and I felt very much in a similar place to where Sheridan is when she shares it. Oh. Of like, why didn't you tell me this sooner? Yeah, and to hammer in that scene to look at it from the allegorical angle uh, of this being a coming out scene. It works really nicely. I think it's written quite well. The characters involved come at it with this real level of realism and maturity when obviously we're looking at this through a sci-fi lens of like this woman saying to her good friend that I'm secretly a telepath not actually I'm actually gay but if you look at it that way it, 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 it's coded it's coded it's at least in our eyes and many people's eyes uh, many yeah. many people decode it in a way that we do yeah but it it, it can be coded it can still in, it still works on the the face of it. Yeah. But also like it can be transformed into other sort of allegories. Yes. Oh as yes. Well. Yes. Like because we have the context and understanding that we do of like our own lives, the show and JMS mm. that leads us down that path. Of course. And then to go into other elements of the episode that kind of tie in to all of these bigger themes and aspects, you obviously have Talia's side of it in which she has a secret personality underneath all of this that wakes up and has been evil and all of that. But then you have other elements such as Lita Alexander herself. She has the secret that she's repressed herself and kept hidden in her brain, which is her connection to Kosh that we get at the end and how he has forever been in there and he sings her to she sleep. She has a piece of him. She has a piece of him. She has a secret. She has something that she has hidden underneath, which I think is really great because this episode, pretty much every character involved, every major player involved in this has that. Delenn and Sheridan as well in, in their romance. It's clear that they are attracted to one another and that one is underneath, but ever so slightly. You can, it's, it's paper not thin. out in the open. It's paper thin how it is, but it's it, it's still not exposed. It's still not out there yet. They haven't committed. They haven't no. opened up that doorway. But it is still that thing. And so every one of the major characters in this story feed into these overarching uh, themes and metaphors and all of that stuff, which I thought was really impressive when looking back at it because 
I've been guilty of just looking at Divided Loyalties as like the big twisty episode, and it has kind of fallen down the rungs for me over the years because of that. I just kind it's of the go, shake up of season two. It's when Talia leaves, and there's also been that element of this is kind of a, a pointless episode in a weird way because. Once you've seen it once, you watch it again and it kind of just serves as uh, the episode where Talia leaves. If you're not inclined to Talia as a character, as, as uh, which I'm not. Like, I'm not a huge Talia fan, as we've heard many times. So there comes a point in which when you watch it, it feels, okay, we've gotten to the episode where Talia leaves and it's kind of a dead end. But looking at it today really looking at it and seeing what's presented here, it's more than just the twists and turns and the abrupt it's not ending just of a, a character. trap door that leads to a pit. No, it is a thing that has so much going on in the script that isn't overt and blatant about it as much as previous episodes or episodes of other TV shows. Obviously, some of it is quite open, of course, but then there's others that you just don't really think about. And then you, once you start doing it, you go, oh, yeah, that, that, that does flow in to the story because when you're watching episodes and when we're talking about them, you you don't always think about like, why does this episode flow so well? It's easier to talk about why episodes don't. Mm. It's easy to talk about, like, in season one, why TKO didn't work as an episode. Because it's easier to notice flaws and problems. Why the pieces of Grail don't come together. Then it is easier to understand why the pieces work the way they do and what is working. I think with this one in particular, it's how it gently but distinctly ramps up the tension Mm -hmm. because like we get the like high strung moments throughout the episode but then it'll like go back down to a little bit of a calm but each time after we have those stings Mm -hmm. and they go in for that drama as I should. And that music for the stings in this episode. But after each time, it doesn't go back to it doesn't go back to the original level. It goes it's up a bit. And then mm. it goes up a bit and then it goes up a bit until it peaks with the discovery of control. Oh, Captain, there you are. I was looking for you. You blew my cover. You're dead. You hear me? You're dead. Get her out of here. Put her under house arrest the now. The chorus mother, the chorus mother. You're dead, Lead Alexander. We'll find you. The corps will find you. An aspect of the episode that is great when looking at it again is Lita Alexander is here. Yeah. Now, people, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know our watching history. The Gathering was not the first thing I ever saw of B5. Not the first thing you ever saw of it either. We both saw The Gathering 
at some point after having already consumed Babylon 5 the series. So Lita didn't matter to us, but Lita has been referenced a lot. So when she yeah. did physically appear, I-, I felt something because it's like, oh my God, the Lita Alexander? This is who she is? Oh man, I can't wait to see where this character goes. And I like Lita way more than I've ever liked Talia. So this episode works as a as a double whammy of Talia leaving and you go, oh man, but then, oh man, Lita's Lita! here. I want to praise Patricia Tolman. Uh, Killing it. Killing it. I said this in our gathering discussion. Whatever was going on in the interim of time was, in the end, hopefully looks like it was worth it because... We weren't huge fans of her performance in The Gathering. Nobody no. gave good performances, really, in The Gathering. Only a handful. And she was well, one of the Jakar worst. Jakar gave us an iconic line. Oh, yes. Good eating to you. Uh, and pleasure good thresholds. Good eating to you. Uh, okay, end of episode. But, no, she was one of the worst performances in The Gathering. Too over the top. Although, although she is over the top here, especially her first scene in which she's in the med bay, that time away, whatever was going on in her career or in her actor's actor's journey or just the difference of directors here has really paid off because She's leveled up. She is so much more confident in the role and isn't overstepping it for my tastes. Uh there is obviously an over top over the top nature to her here. There's a lot of facial acting and squinting and yelling. Uh but she is very promising here. You see her here and you go, oh, I want to see more of this character. I was just kind of enjoying the way that she said command stuff mm-hmm. each time with such vitriol. And she says command stuff a number of times. She says it a number of times. And I'm like, I'm finding it like amusing, but also very serious. What I really like about Lita here and will do in the future is she's the one of the first telepath characters we've met that isn't like stiff and stuck up and cold she's angry and emotional and she has like clear wants and needs and desires and that yeah, was she's appealing. a human telepath mm-hmm. teep teep uh that's not part of the core. Yeah, and is- so she's fully allowed to be that because we see those traits in her in the gathering, but she's trying to push back against that to fit in the cycle box. Yeah, and in the first episode in the TV movie, she is the point of view character, so she doesn't really get much of a character herself. She's the one that has things explained at her a lot. Yeah, so we're meant to project onto her. She's so the vessel. She can't have to get, too much. Yeah, she's going she on. is the vessel. She's the ve- she was the vessel for exposition to be directed at. Here, she is the one giving exposition. She's the one driving the plot. She's the one with the plan. She's the one with the ability to unlock the conspiracy. And I thought she was fantastic. I remember when I first watched this, I really thought to myself, oh man, 
if if Talia's not coming back, I, I really hope this leader character stays around. I think she's pretty cool. And I'd like to see a main uh, cast member telepath who's not a part of the core and isn't restricted by that. That would be neat. And then that happens, which is awesome. What did you think about that? Like, when you first watched this, you didn't know that Talia was leaving properly. You didn't know that Lita was going to take over. But did you, what was your sensation when, with this? I don't remember it clearly anymore because I'm just like, well, it's just like, it's Lita. Like, I think of Lita being the main telepath of the series because she's around a lot longer Mm -hmm. and a lot more than Talia ever is. Yes. Like, she has a character that's... Much, uh, much more defined, much mm. more dynamic is yes. the phrase. Not defined, dynamic. Yeah. She gets a lot more to do than Talia ever did. She gets to interact with more characters as well. Yeah. And she gets to change and evolve. Mm-hmm. Even when it is fucking weird. And she's a badass. I think that's the difference is... Talia was a victim. Leader is a is is not taking the victim card. She is owning it. She's a badass. That's what I get drawn to. Is Leader is a victim in her own right, of course, but she's not willing to take that. She's actually going to take some action. There's obviously going to be yeah. ebbs and flows to her story. But like it is. She's a fighter. Yeah, she's a fighter. She's a victim. But she's more of a survivor. She's a survivor and a fighter. Whereas Talia feels like she's stuck in the victim stage. For most of her run, if not all of her run in the show. And that would have changed, obviously. But it's time to talk. Wasn't meant to be. It's Talia time. TT Talia time. Where we talk about Talia Winters. Her final episode, her final appearance. We will hear about her the again. The wiki doesn't even have a date of physical death. It just no. has the year it's implied of the physical death. death. Yes. I mean, I mean, it has death the year of, of the death of her personality. Mm-hmm. So, Talia, this is the end of the road, Rachel. So That trap me. door has opened. So talk to me about Talia. This is our rewatch. How has it been? This is the first time ever in our rewatch in which we've really zoomed in on Talia. Yeah, we've so, tried to see if there's anything much there. And we found a little bit more than we have in previous watches. But still not much. There's still not a whole lot there. Mm. And it's just like, okay, I... I I get this. I don't appreciate it much, but I get why it's here. I get what you're doing. I can imagine what you could have done, Mm. but you didn't get to for various reasons. But thinking about, like, just the show, it's like, okay. But why... But why? 
Like in the show, I'm like, why is this in this random episode in season two? Because the actress had to go on to NYPD Blue. Yeah, but it's just like you cannot make sense of this episode without its context, which is not a problem that we often have with Babylon 5. I know this isn't your fault. I hope somewhere there's a part of you that can still hear me. (laughs) Always the romantic. The program is complete. The Talia you knew no longer exists. There's just me. I'm not a fan of Talia. She's one of my least favorite characters. And even looking at it... I I, I thought that was so obvious I didn't think to say it. But even looking at it the way that we have... That hasn't shifted all that much. If anything, I'm more displeased with Talia because I'm just yeah, I'm just thinking about it. I always I always say she's a victim, she's a victim. And that's how she ends. That's how she ends. She's in the last several episodes building up. She's building her character up in a weird way. No, no, she is. She's sacrificed. And Hmm. she's a victim of multiple angles that we will talk about, but over the last couple of episodes, they've been building her to break free of that. And then she doesn't. And it's deeply dissatisfying. It's tragic. Like, it's the sad, potential but it's, of Talia, it's dissatisfying. The potential of Talia in the Underground Railroad episode She's is... the chosen one. Never fulfilled... Never. She's given this magical gift by Jason Ironheart that never gets used in the show. Obviously, a lot She's of like this... She's like a P40, P million. Um, We understand the actress left. There's only so much one can do. We know this. But I am so dissatisfied with she was always a victim in the scripts. Always a victim always the bystander, always the person getting dragged along. And then the last one or two episodes, she still is that, but then she's allowed to make change in more prominent ways. And then to end the character, you don't grow them, you keep them in stasis. Because although she's dead uh, and you could have brought her back if the actress ever came back, she's stuck in stasis. She's always the victim. The way she ends here is she has no autonomy and she's a victim because they never discuss that what uh, Lita will do is essentially kill a person. They never discuss that. They never never, fully grapple with that. They never, ever worry about it. They never have a moment where they go, wait a moment, this may be wrong. They always just acknowledge it it. as death of personality. Yeah. Which would have been way more evocative. And any time they do try to discuss the victimization that happened... The ramifications. The victimization, ramifications, and the horrors that happened to Talia... Characters shut it down and say, we don't have time to think about it like that right now. What we have to worry about is... too much of a risk. What we have to worry about is what problems she will give us now. Instead of what problems happen to her. Ivanova's the one that obviously cares in the end about this 
But then there has to come the point where we get to the very end with that and they go their way. But that is where I'm at. I, I just go, wow, okay, Talia was always just the character that got shit on yeah. all the time and was always that. And obviously they were going to grow and develop this, but that's not what happened. What happened is this character was always victim. In a show filled with so many people who are more complex than that, you could argue yeah. that Veer is a victim of many things, but even Veer has had more heroic moments, more more standout, upright than than Talia. It's just, it's just they mm. just they eat Talia out of the show. That's what I kept on referring to it as when I knew that we were approaching this episode. I was like, oh, Tally is going to be yeeted soon. And if we are going to look at the Talia and Ivanova relationship as a uh, as a queer relationship which is probably which is something that JMS has talked about over the years as something he was hoping to grow and develop into a thing, this then just further ties into the tragic ending for gay people that happens, especially lesbians, that happens a lot. The, the inadvert I mean, that maybe that probably wasn't the intention, but that's they what's They momentarily there. move in with each other in this episode. And they sleep in the same bed and they wear nightgowns and like sort of matching. Like they're mm, both wearing silky silky. silky. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because of the storyline that's happening here where it's a tragic ending for Talia and she has no autonomy or doomed free will. Doomed lovers. The doomed, the doomed lovers. As soon as we even... And here's the thing too. Uh, is there a specific term for this one where it's as soon as they open up even the potential of there being gay love, one of them just quote unquote dies. Yeah. Is there a specific That's a name thing, for that? But I don't know the name for that trope. Uh so when you watched this all those years ago, did you pick up on any of the uh potential romance uh or sexual tension or chemistry between these two characters? Yes, I did. I wanna, I wanna believe that I did. Do you remember if I did? I can't remember honestly. I think you were too focused on Delenn yeah, and and yeah. Sher- uh, Delenn and Sheridan. That, that was my main ship. Um, it, it's still probably in my top three ships of Babylon Five. Oh yeah, use them too. Um, Avonova and Marcus is number one Ooh. for sure. Just... Not Byron and Lisa? No. No. Not Lita and Zach? I don't need that telepath. Not Lita and Jakar? Jakar and anybody. Jakar and, and anybody's good. Like, Jakar and Londo's wife? Fuck yes. They fucked. Yeah. So fuck yes. So you can't remember, anyway, but you hope that you, you did pick up on it. I, I feel like... I felt something there of like, oh, maybe the the actresses mm-hmm. are are feeding into something there. I never did 
thought. I never dared to think that it was a deliberate choice by the creative team because I was like, oh, it was the 90s. They can't. They, they wouldn't even dare to think of. They don't do that. They don't do that. Unless it was for sexy purposes. And they like they don't titillize it enough. No. For me to feel like it was that. And I feel like we had discussed Bashir in Deep Space Nine and his experience with Garrick. Yes, yes. So I had that in my mind when I was considering whether, like, you know, this would be mm. something that JMS deliberately put in. I did not because I was too busy focusing on how they never built up the the relationship and friendship of Ivanova yeah. and Talia. When I was first watching it... But they give us that info dump when they're eating together. Yeah, and it's, it, it's ham-fisted and rushed, and that's what I got hooked on. But then obviously noticing it on a second and third watch, I, I, looking at it, I went, oh, okay... I see what was go- I can I, I can gather what's going on here if that's actually the intention because also like you I didn't even dare think that they would even be trying to do that because it was the 90s obviously there'll be follow up episodes where Ivanova says I think I loved Talia that really cements it further but when just looking at this episode I didn't even consider it because it was of a certain era in which this stuff just didn't happen and if it did it was for either the the thing is about being gay like blatantly or, and you have to tie it into some bigger mm. social context anti-gay or morality s- tale or pro it like it's very much like it's either that or queer as folk right but <laughs> yeah. but then you get the it's for titillation. Oh look, Dax and her former lover kiss, but they're both ladies. Mm, isn't that sexy? Rick got off that day. Uh so I didn't even consider it, but many people have, and many people have noted it down, and JMS was very coy at the time about what was going on here. And obviously has been more open about it over the years. It seems very much that it was an intention that was there. And if was able to, would have made it a full thing. We've discussed it. The reboot does ever occur. This is probably the big thing that he should invest, like explore in it. Actually having an open gay relationship in the show and not queer baiting and not doing any of this. Just actually have it there because you were restricted last time do it fully, and we would expect that he would considering he was a co-creator and co-writer on Sense8. So, clearly... One of the most thoroughly LGBTQ plus shows ever. So, it's obviously something that is... uh, It's on the cards for the reboot, and it's something that we've noted... When I watched Sense in the 90s when one. when we watched Sense A it made me think back about Talia and Ivanova because 
you know, I didn't know too much about JMS's work outside of B5, honestly. And so when I watched Sense8 and I thought about this and I knew that this was a thing and the internet really grabs onto this and there's fanfics up the wazoo, of course, and the actors have talked about it and everyone's talked about it. But when I when I watched Sense8, it really did hammer into me that this is something that was uh, an an avenue that this writer wanted to delve into and explore later on got to very much so in Sense8. And so it made me really appreciate it in retrospect, looking at it here. And I think that's what's really important is a lot of people love Talia. A lot of people love Talia for the representation. And although it's not full representation... For, for many people, it is at least a form of it. There is a shred of it, which is better than there was none. And that's very yeah. important to people. Uh, yeah. Like, when you are starved for representation, anything goes a really long way. For what it's worth, I'm here for you. If you need me. Talia is a, a symbol and a, repre- and a representation of, of certain things that are very important to people that may yeah. not, that aren't necessarily important to myself. Yes. Being a straight guy, I'm just sitting here going, oh boy, I really do wish that Talia could be a real character. But these elements here, they are something to note down because, in all honesty, it's probably the most interesting thing about Talia <laughs> as a character. <laughs> The yeah. lost potential. Yeah. The lost potential of her Sad. being a, a, a queer character in a show of this ilk in this time period. The lost potential of but her But now she's char- gone. Bye-bye. And now, now she's gone. The lost potential of her character arc and where they could have gone with her. The lost potential of the dynamics she could have played in the war to come. Uh, all of that stuff is what makes Talia... In a large part, not all, not entire character, but a large part is what that's what makes her a likable character is, or, or someone to gravitate towards is that there's a version of this show in which Talia could be whatever we wanted her to be. Yeah, but I, to me, that's just not good enough to myself as an and as an individual viewer. That isn't good enough for me because I think they actually should have done something with her. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of the way that people talk about Firefly. Mm. And the statement of it never got a chance to be bad. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me a lot of the way that people talk about and frame Talia. Of oh, but like, she's, been, she's been bad in this show. <laughs> Do you know what it's like when uh, telepaths make love, Commander? I wasn't referring to that part. Mm-hmm. But you were saying. But <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying now because all I'm thinking of is how they so rarely use the rail system. They use it in the season finale of this one. Yeah, they, but they, rarely. Mm-hmm. Rarely. We've gotten more conversations in bathrooms. Mm-hmm. In the last couple of episodes. <laughs> That's fine. I need to know if Pakmaras do stinky shits. And they do. Confirmed. Hashtag confirmed. 
But your 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 point was the whole uh like it was it never got a chance to be bad. Like Talia never got a, a chance to have a full relationship with Ivanova and for that to be bad. So anybody can imagine how great it would have been. Yeah. The unlimited potential of people's imaginations of what could have transpired. Talia never got the real chance to be a, a main player in the big story. Yeah. So you will always think about what that would have been like and how it would have made her character and more important than what she was because she was a bystander way more than she ought to have been. And that's where we get into the spotlight section of the show in which we are going to be talking about well, uh, Andrea Thompson's performance as Talia Winters. Go over her career, her, any interesting facts. She's the one, right? Uh, this is her last episode. This is her last thing in B5. She never comes back. No. Um, she never comes back. And uh, she went on she to do other things. She got yeeted far, far away. Now, the primary reason if... I'm not mistaken, for her leaving Babylon 5 is they just were never going to give her... They never gave her enough screen time and there was no real plans to give her more screen time. It was uh, kind of where you're at is where we're happy with right now, so... Patience. Be patient. Yeah. And have some more patience. Yeah, accept the patience. Look at uh, the guy who plays Kefa. He's doing a great job accepting that too. Yeah. Uh... That's the reason, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then another opportunity. Another another opportunity that was far better for an actor. Yep. Because this is a classic example of I agree with the actor leaving the show. Does it cripple the show momentarily? Yes, it does. Does it make the show worse for you? Like, her having left, does it actually impact the quality of the show? Not a whole lot, which really, we should be saying yes to that, because she's a title credit Mm -hmm. character that's been here since episode one of season one. Yes. Uh, I'm actually on the opposite end. I I, am... Again, we understand TV's this massive fluid thing. You can't keep everything in check. You have to have trapdoors. Yeah. JMS has trapdoors because not everything can work. But it does do it for me. Whenever I want to say Babylon 5's a perfect show, this is an element in which I can't yeah. say that because two whole seasons, there's a character that ultimately means nothing to me. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, it does impact the show overall in my experience as a viewer but when you asked that question a moment ago I was thinking more about the impact of her leaving within the show yeah it's like okay she's gone there's Mm. this space to be filled but it's kind of like a very generic telepath shaped void not a talia shaped Shaped. hole in Mm -hmm. my heart 
like it is when Ivanova leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, to me, it, it, it's the blemish of the first two seasons. You know how I said at some point during this, if there's a blemish for season two, it's Kefa, right? Because Kefa sucks and he's never meant to be a character. And it's what he's, if there's a flaw with season two, it's Kefa. But if there's a flaw with the first two seasons of Babylon 5 in that same way, it's Talia. Because the actress left because she had to do better work. And I agree. I agree. If I was her, I would also want to leave. Because there are whole stretches in which she's not in this show. There are whole stretches in which her character gets maybe one or two lines. There are whole stretches in which her character is the victim or the bystander. Or just convenient for plot. Yeah, it's not the most fun thing to play. Oh, no, she bumped into somebody who was thinking something very hard. I have not been a huge fan of her performance as Talia Winters in the past. I've enjoyed it far more on this rewatch. What about you? What's your read on the performance? I, I think she works well with what she's got. And sometimes she's given more, sometimes she's given less. But she she works well with whatever she's given. Sometimes. I know that some of our listeners out there and some B5 fans aren't big on her performance, find her a bit too melodramatic, soap yes. opery. Her she voice, leans in a bit too hard. With... Her, her husky, breathy voice can be a real turn-off for people, obviously. When telepaths make love... Iconic. Scene. Iconic. And it's iconic because of her voice. For all of the wrong reasons. Uh, and I get that because I've I, I've been there too. And I what I've come upon looking at her roster of work, mm-hmm. I do want to praise, I think she does a great job in this episode. She yeah, she knows the, that this the, is the monumental one. The and flip. The flip is really well done. That, like all of the other moments mm-hmm. are also really great, but like the tender moments, the spotlight is on the flip, on control, on control. But she's evil bitch mode. Yeah, I've had a look at her career, and I, man, she's in a lot of things that I've seen. I, I've really taken for granted, but how only much like thirty nine acting mm-hmm. credits on IMDb. But she's in a ton of stuff, and what I've come to realize is. Why I find a disconnect with her character in her performance, not just the script, in the performance is... She doesn't get to be a person? She's not playing to the strengths. She's not allowed to play to the strengths that she has inherently as an actress. Because looking at her work, there are certain things that recur that she likes to play. Yes. Certain types of characters, certain types of tones. (laughs) And and she's not allowed to do that as Talia. But... There are parts of it there. There are strong commonalities between a lot of her parts, and some of them are present in Talia. They, Mm. like the characters that we see her as, are often cold women. Work in a kind of high maintenance structure. Yes. Cops, often journalists, the like senators. Often a a woman that has a lot of traditionally male traits. Yeah, and that that's there with Talia with her 
mm-hmm. um, aloofness mm-hmm. initially and the barriers that she puts up yeah. through like her physical mannerisms as well as we know the mental blocks that she has as a character I would also that I think s- oh, yeah, go Andrea brings out fairly well. Yeah, and I would also say on the flip side, I've noticed in her career a lot that she will often play up her her, her, her sexuality, which is is used in Babylon There's 5. There's a trilogy. There's a trilogy, but that is used in Babylon 5 from time to time. It's yes. more the script is using it rather than the actress is using it, which is what I find to be the thing that I don't like about Talia is there is some weird sexy things with Talia, but it doesn't feel like it's coming from the character or the actress, but rather the script is having a moment to be like, hey, Talia got groomed by her mentor in school, or Talia's now talking about sex, or Talia and uh, Ivanova have a little bit of a thing going on, haha. It just doesn't feel that uh, sexually empowering like she does with a lot of her other roles, or her other roles allow the characters to use their femininity and their sexuality to get things that they want or they need. And so that is something I will note down as well when looking at it, when it's like what relates to Talia that she is used to using in Mm -hmm. her roles. Can I explore her trilogy? Yes, yes. So she has a sexy trilogy. A sexy trilogy. It starts with her first credit on IMDb of Manhattan Gigolo. Is she the gigolo? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like she starts being in a throuple with two other men. Awesome. And she's a sex worker Mm. that, like, works in voyeurism. Like, people, no, no, people pay to watch her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And then, like, she brings the two dudes in on it. That was when she was 26. Oh, so she started later, huh? Yeah, but a few sources said that she started with voice acting, but there's no credits that I could find. That Wait, how old is she in Babylon 5? Well, she was born in 1960. So what, she's in is her what 30s? I read, yeah. Interesting. I always thought she was, like, younger than what we are now. I always thought she was, like, 26, 27 in this show. Interesting. If I saw the wrong date of birth. Perhaps. But uh, so you were saying? Um, so, yeah, she's a, a sex worker in that. And then in Wall Street. The she, Wall Street. Yes. I remember her in Wall Street. She is hooker. The hooker. And she does a few different sets of voices in Fallout New Vegas, including hooker. So oh, she paid. She's, she's turned back she, around again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've known her from so many things over the years. I remember her in an episode of Arliss, which is a show that I feel like people have watched but nobody talks about nowadays. Uh, she gets to sleep with Arliss. Isn't he a lucky man? He always gets to sleep with these incredibly hot chicks, and it's like weird because he's not a guy that he 
Yeah. And so she gets to be a bitch in bones, she, if I remember correctly. And uh, whoa. she's an elephant in the wild thornberries. Oh, she's an elephant. Okay, that's cool. I saw that. Yeah, her I, mom dies. Oh, okay. I do remember her in NYPD Blue. Now, I've only seen a little bit when it was on and it would leak down here to Australia. So I was like a small child. But I remember seeing her in that and she's uh, tough, no nonsense, not going to take your shit kind of lady. Yeah. They play up her, her her looks a bit as well. But also she's kind of uh, cold and off-putting. And uh, yeah, and obviously that is what I am familiar with mm-hmm. from her catalogue of work because she's in one of, if not the best episodes of Quantum Leap ever created. Absolutely. In which Sam leaps into Vietnam with his, in the platoon his brother is in and he has to save his brother. And she's a journalist there. And it's I won't give away what happens in that episode. It's a fantastic episode. but We warned of spoilers for Babylon 5, not for but, Quantum uh, Leap. She is... The no nonsense photojournalist. She's there to take the photos. She's sick of the guy's shit, you know, all of that. And she's just in the thick of it with them, but also she's a bit clueless. She's fantastic in that episode. If you ever are concerned about her acting talents in, in Babylon 5, watch her in that episode. She is great. She is really good there. She was also in Delirious which is a movie I've recommended people should check out on this podcast before because uh, uh, Dr. Everett Jacobs was in that movie as well. And she plays a a sexy nurse in that. And that's another thing that I've noticed in her career and things I've seen her in. She can do comedy as well. She can be very funny. She can do that. And she's never really got the chance to do that as Talia. Talia can be amusing from time to time but that's what I'm saying when I look at her stuff she plays figures with authority she can be funny she can be sexy of course no nonsense is her thing and Talia doesn't get to do that Talia is oh I will take the nonsense on the chin and repress it and be a victim and be sorrowful and her voice her general look and demeanor can easily play up to that NYPD blue, no-nonsense, I'm-not-going-to-take-your-shit-cop yeah. better than it does with the Talia-type character. Yeah, I heartily agree. Did you see that little girl yesterday, Todd? You know, that was a vicious thing to do when I've done nothing but try to cooperate. Do you want to get hit again? Do I want to get hit again? Why would I want to get hit again? Did you see her? If I did, I guess that would make me a valuable person to your investigation. Oh, you are vicious. So in like 1999, she was just like, okay, I'm kind of, I'm done now. I'm going to become a journalist. I'm leaving NYPD Blue, one of the big shows, like an acclaimed show. Yeah, solid paycheck. Prominent enough character. I'm going to leave that to become a CNN journalist. I've always read that, and I, I'm i always wanting to know what happened there. Like, what was the turning point? Did she have a background in journalism at any point? or How did she get this gig? And I've never actually heard from people who remembered her being the news anchor lady instead of the actress. I've always just heard, oh, she became a, a reporter, an anchor on CNN at one point, and then 
stop doing that at some point as well. Like, I don't know how long that lasted for. So she returned to acting in 2003. Okay, so so a few years. Like, she was still occasionally doing some stuff in, like, early 2000s. So she only Mm. had, like, one or two years where she has no credits. Because one of the things that she did that I... I I find hilarious for um whatever reason because I'm just like oh yeah apparently she started out in voice acting and her only trait listed on IMDb is her husky voice mm-hmm. and in 2000 she came back okay. for a moment and narrated Sweetheart Swindlers oh cool I oh, know I can already imagine what she's narrating there some crimey yeah. With that voice? Uh, yeah, the con- the cons of it, that start with seduction. She's a very bold person. I've seen uh, footage of her at conventions. She seems really cool, and she's just that type of person that's like, yeah, I'll move on to this project and the next one and the next one. Yeah. And in big swings, going from a prominent, like a prominent and uprising acting career to then pivot to journalism is is really bold and then go back and I, I may be mistaken but I think she's been doing real estate she still goes and attends Babylon 5 things pretty much openly talks about anything uh, you know talks about the behind the scenes experiences being married and then divorced to Jerry Doyle and all of that is there uh, I like her whenever I've seen interviews with her read interviews mm. with her watch things of her, I always say to myself, God, I wish this was what Talia was like. Yeah, like if they brought that in the way that they do. With everyone? Everyone else. Everyone else gets that treatment, but not Talia. What would you rate this? It's a yum yum. Yum yum. What do you give it? Oh, it's a yum-yum. Yum-yum. It's a tricky thing. This is the first time a main cast member has left and they don't get a real conclusion. See, see, Sinclair has left, but he will get a conclusion and they will keep threading him throughout the show. But this is the first time really. I'm not... The gathering's a whole different thing. But even then... Takashima and the Doctor, different. Yeah, yeah, they're different things. But uh, yeah, this is the first time like a real big cast member has properly left and doesn't come back. I mean, we also had Catherine Sakai, but she wasn't in the opening credits. Uh, (laughs) So, sorry, Catherine, and you'll never be referenced really again? No, they have one or two references to Catherine again. Uh, that is, yeah, it's a, it's a yum yum for me, <laughs> but what are we going to be talking about next time, Rachel? On the next Babylon 5. Uh, it's episode 20 mm. of season two, The Long Twilight Struggle. A bloody battle. Mm. A final bloody battle determines the outcome of the Centauri Nine conflict and signals an even greater threat to all civilization. Wow. It's a biggie. It's a big boy. Can we just say the rest of season two is a biggie? They're all yeah, biggies. They're all it's monumental a big, ones. Chunky block. Ah uh, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a great time. The description should just It's read... gonna be a sea of yums, isn't it, Ryan? Oh yeah. As soon just as you a read sea of yums. Any episode with the long in it? Oh 
God damn it. It's just so boring, right? The description should have just been Londo fucks it up real good this time and then cry face emoji. <laughs> Uh, but that is it for uh, this episode of Yum Yum 5, in which we are talking about a Babylon 5 episode. Guess what? We talked about it. We did it. Congratulations to us. You can find us on all the social media platforms under Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast. We are posting on them mm-hmm. regularly. And you if you want to shoot us, us an email, it's yumyumpod at gmail.com. Yes, shoot us an email if you have any questions, queries, thoughts, concerns. Here's a tip. Oh, a tip? Here's a tip. Here's what we call Rachel's tips. If you want to hear our detailed thoughts on that episode of Quantum Leap, go to our Patreon because we did in our thoughts on on Mm -hmm. the whole of Quantum Leap. And I'm pretty darn sure that we talked about that episode. I ain't promising it, but we probably did. Yes, we have a Patreon if you have the means to support the show. The means and the desire. We, we appreciate would, it. We would love that. It would be a wonderful thing to do. We have a whole slew of content mm-hmm. on there, ranging join the, from... Join the crew of Yumlings. We have a group Discord channel that you get to be a part of when you join our Patreon. We are covering the current run of new Star Trek. We've done Picard. We're through to Strange New Worlds. So if you want to hear our takes, fresh, hot, yum, yum takes on what modern Star Trek is doing, come over to the Patreon. If you want to find out if Ryan's planning to subject me to season three of Picard, that is where you'll find that information. It's the last season, Rachel. Don't you want to know how it ends? I can read a synopsis. Come on, traveler. Come find out how it ends with me. <laughs> oh, you almost make me want to punch you just like Wesley. Uh, Rachel. Yes. Marvelous talking to you. Jukar was not in this episode. He was he was getting his pleasure thresholds tested because he heard Lita was on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has his spies. He knows that she was on board. So he wasn't there to say it. But uh, you can say it to all of us right now. We already have. Yum, yum. And good eating to you. Good eating to you.